And Shalom, back with another uh, Parsha, I get you some. Um, I guess I'm doing a little mini series, like all at once, because I was saying this is going to be the last episode of the year. Um, but, uh, you know, I guess these will be the last episodes of the year. So we're just going and going and going like uh, the Energizer Battery Bunny, I guess. I don't know. Anyway, I'm going to say the bracket now because that's what we're going to do. Baruch atah Adonai, Eloheinu melech haolam, Asher bakarbanu mikol hamim, Venatan lanu et torato, Baruch atah Adonai, Noten haTorah. Amen. Adonai, may you bind us to the Lapid Mashiach Yeshua and grant us eyes to see. And may you consume us in the fire of your lapid, that we may see light by your light. Amen. Come on. All right, calm down. Okay. So, sticking to Parsha Nitzavim this time, I barely touched on uh, Parsha Vayelik. I know. But if we get a chance, uh, in the coming week, then we will do that. If not, then you know what? Baruch Hashem, because if we get to be with Hashem and know Hashem, that's great. So, preparing for Rosh Hashanah, right? Slikot, taking account for all of our rash vows and um, guarding our tongue from evil speech, increasing Torah study, increasing our prayer increasing our acts of kindness praying for our five people our five families 40 days of shuva man loaded up it's a good thing we've taken up on the yoke of mashiach yeshua because this yoke is easy and his burden is light which means when it comes to how we feel in the physical world oh my word we are definitely getting us on. <laughs> Probably not in the most desirable way because <clears throat> we're having to make some true changes. We're having to take in some personal things and go through some really intense battles. So it's cool. Mashiach is here with us and we doing this. Kol Echad. Okay, so... Devarim 29, 22 23. Awkward. So it says, So that the later generation to come of your children that shall rise up after you, and the stranger that shall come from a far land shall say, when they see the makot, the destructions, the plagues, and the diseases, of the land and the diseases which Hashem had laid upon it and that the whole land thereof is sulfur and salt and burning you know I seem to recall that there's a lot of that going on on the southern part of Israel right now with the north part undergoing earthquakes man okay but anyway it says there is the sulfur, the salt, and the burning that is not sown nor bears nor any grass growing therein like the overthrow of Sodom and Gomorrah. 
Adma and Zavayim, which Hashem overthrew in his anger and his wrath. Okay, so obviously something horrible happened. Uh, it's called not listening to Hashem. And uh, let me go back in that section real quick to before that. Um, it says, Adonai will single him out from the tribes to experience what is bad and all the curses of the covenant written in this book of the Torah. You know, there's the person who says, you know, I'll be fine. I hear the words of Torah. That's cool. I'll do whatever I want to do. And that's great. And then that spreads out into a whole lot of people doing that. And then Hashem's like, well, let's uh, tear up some of the land here and hopefully everyone will get the point. So that's what's going on. Again, you see this individual and this general Teshuvah thing. Like, man, that is insane when you really think about it. So we, that's why we really have to be careful what we're doing as an individual because we're either building up or tearing down. And so, with the help of Hashem, may we all be builder uppers. I mean, so again, Rabbi Wolby did such a cool little drop on this. He was talking about the sulfur and the salt. That he was saying that this is used in gunpowder. Now, that is significant because that's what's causing all of this destruction you think about what happened with the temples being destroyed there they were burned how in the world do you burn stone well stop so dot obviously has a thing on that and then there's this whole um what is it roman fire or something like that it's like fire that can burn on water this is like really ridiculous um so, with all that being said, he was basically elucidating from the Chiz Kuni, but the point was that we're immune to this destruction and this fire if we're observing the Torah. I.e., these kinds of things won't happen and these kinds of things won't take effect. Think about it this way. If you ran and jumped through a window, which I don't recommend, but I know I joke a lot about that when I'm doing the Haftarah with Hasiz Baz, but I, sometimes I do feel like I really should jump out of a window. But anyway, it'd be as if you jumped out of a window and the window didn't break and you never got cut and you never fell from the height of which this window was placed. That's what this immunity is that we're talking about here this sulfur this salt this burning you're immune to that if you're walking in the fiery torah because there's a fire and then there's a fire you know if you're consumed in the consuming fire with shim all other fires are just of no effect because those fires are degrees uh less than the true fire of torah so you got the Hizkuni, probably says this a lot better. He says, of its all of its land becoming salt and brimstone. What is the connection between salt and brimstone? Nothing can withstand fire and salt, or fire better than salt. 
and nothing can be destroyed more totally than when it is treated with brimstone. The Torah means to tell you that if the Israelites had remained loyal to their covenant, they could have withstood any attempt at destruction as salt can withstand it. Now, did not Yeshua say you're the salt of the earth? Basically, you cannot be destroyed if you're in Torah. Let's go ahead and look it up. Let's look it up. Okay. Matthew 5, verse 13. You are the salt for the land. You're the salt of the earth. But if the salt becomes tasteless, if you step outside a covenant, how can it be made salty again? By the way, that means it can be made salty again. You got to get back in the covenant. You got to become a new grain of salt. But anyway, it says it is no longer good for anything except being thrown out for people to trample on. And that's pretty horrible. That's the only thing you can do. If you don't walk in covenant, you're just going to be you're going to be walked on. <laughs> so it's just kind of like, wow. And, uh, you know, we've seen this a lot in our Mishpachah where people leave and want to seek to be relevant in the world and become irrelevant and that's kind of harsh but you know it's something that we need to make sure that we're bewaring that we stand lest we fall because if we think we can live this life any other way outside of covenant with Hashem and have some uh, altitude with it even if you did People are going to walk on you. You're just going to get trampled on. You're going to be thrown out. And and you're not going to be good for anything. You know, and it's just kind of like that's really unfortunate. Can we talk about something else? Yes, we can. Because it says that uh, if we remain loyal to the covenant, we can withstand any attempt at destruction like the salt Come on, he's going to. Then it says, um, seeing that they had not, they were destroyed utterly as if they had been rubbed out with brimstone. Brimstone destroys even what fire had not been able to destroy. Salt says the Torah reported that the wife of Lot had failed to obey the instruction of the angel not to look back and was turned into pillar of salt. All right. And then, oh man, here we go. The fact is that the destruction of the area occupied by the ten tribes this is Kis Kuni. I love Kis Kuni, by the way. Um, and our own Rabbi Griffin loves Rabbeinu Bakia. And um, we have our Zolan and Stav Soldat on Sephorno. And then we got Ishpela. Chilling with uh, Dot Zekanin and Akidat Yitzhak and Mighty Hover for that effect as well sometimes. So we're all spread out with these uh, Torah peeps here. So anyway, just a few sources I wanted to throw out. So if you ever come across any of those, those are good. I had one of the Avengers ask me about a Barbanel and I was like... <laughs> And then I had to pull myself together to give a cohesive response. But the answer is a barbanel. Are you kidding me? That's legit. So anyway, he's Kuni though. 
So the ten tribes where they were populated being sent into exile had nothing to do with an individual sin. Here we go. But with the erection of public idols, two golden calves, really two golden calves, built to block the route to Yerushalayim during the lifetime of Shlomo's son, Rechavon. Hundreds of years before the kingdom of the ten tribes went into exile and the idol erected by Mika and the appointment of the Levites by people not born to members of that tribe. That's from Shoftim chapter 8 verse 33. It says the latter phenomenon happened already prior to the time of the prophet Shamuel and the dynasty of Melech David and Melech Shlomo long before the kingdom of Shlomo was divided. So yeah, you know, if we're not taking care of our individual Teshuva, the general Teshuva is way out of whack. But even more so, what we get into with Devarim 29 in these last few verses is what's really going on in public is really going to like clean our clock. And to think, there were two golden calves set up to block the route to Jerusalem. Like, are you kidding me? One golden calf literally brought death back. What do you think was going to happen with two? And that's the thing we have to be thinking as we're going through the Shlikot. You know, as I was talking in the Shlikot drosh, is that what is the core of what we're doing? Don't just be reciting words and prayers and brakas. Like, what are we really doing? You know, take true stock of what's going on. Man, you know, I'm just thinking about how beautiful it is to have this opportunity as a follower of Hashem. Not just to go into Rosh Hashanah unprepared, without transition. It's like we started our 40 days of Teshuva, and it was like that was right out of Tuba'av, which was right out of Tishba'av, which was right out of the three weeks of mourning, which was right out of 17th of Tammuz, which came out of nowhere after Shabbat. And so if you think about this progression, We've been building, transition, building, transition, building. Now we're here building with a transition going on, and then we're going to build again. <clears throat> the beauty and the tapestry of how everything is laid out, just forget about it. Like, if you have a problem with Judaism, see a Zakin immediately, because I'm concerned, you know, mentally about that. But anyway... How amazing is it that Hashem is like, before Judgment Day, before Yom Kippur, I need you to take some time. And I'm going to be right there with you as you take some time. Let's work on hearing my voice. Let's work on doing what's right. If you need the extra help, here's a Torah portion about returning to Hashem. Like, that's all Parashat Nitzavim is. It's like, return, stop being disobedient. You don't need to be people that are curse bound. You don't need to be people that are exiled. You don't need to be people that are mentally and spiritually plagued. Today, if you hear my voice, it'll be the voice of salvation. That's what Hashem says. 
Or today will be the day of salvation if you hear my voice. That's what Hashem says. So, I want to go ahead and submit to you thinking along the lines of the being immune to destruction. Yeshiyahu 54.17 I always heard this saying as a song when I was a kid in church. And it was just like, I have no idea what they're talking about because I don't understand why this verse is... Like, what does this have to do with us? But now I do, because if we're people who are in the land of Israel, constantly under attack, what can protect us from that attack? It's our obedience to the word of God. Because when we're obedient to his word, we give Hashem free authorization, full access to our life, to our space. And to surround us and to cover us and to build us up and to set us apart. So I'm just saying that's, I don't know what to say to that. So I guess I'm not just saying. <laughs> but what I will say is Yeshiyahu 54:17. No weapon or instrument, literally, Kli, that is formed against you shall prosper. And every Lashon, every tongue that shall rise, okay, every language, oh my goodness, every speech that shall rise against you in judgment and accusation, you shall condemn, prove false, refute, prove wrong. This is the Nechalat, the inheritance of De Hashem. This is the heritage, inheritance of the servants of Hashem. And their zadaka is from me, says Hashem. Get you some of that. So, yeah, I mean, the, the true battle is really ourselves. Are we really going to do what Hashem says? Do we really love Hashem? Are we really pressing into Him? Are we really taking advantage of all this time that we've been given to prepare? So... Atem Netavim, you're all standing here today. And that, obviously, uh, from copious amounts of commentaries that says this this is Rosh Hashanah, we're standing. And um, what are we standing for? We're ready for the sound of the shofar. We prepared our hearts. We removed all the blockages and everything. Because, you know, we go right into chapter 30 and it says this is about Teshuvah. Rabbi Wolby again, he says that Teshuvah is circumcision of the heart. Man, it's just so out there now. Circumcised heart. What does that mean? That means return to Hashem. That means throw off your Yetzahara or overcome your Yetzahara. Subjugate it to the will of Hashem. Use it like an ox pulling the harness to plow the field. To plow up your heart, your hardness and life. You know, your heart becoming flesh. So Hashem can write upon it by his spirit, the fiery Torah. Which I'm just going to go ahead and go out and say it. That's the best Torah, the fiery Torah that's written on the heart. That's the Torah of Mashiach, you know. The law of Messiah. Colloquial term. <clears throat> so when you look at this being Teshuvah. And then Ramban. 
Oh, I'm about to pull out Rumbon. Here we go. Here we go. I've been sick since then, but I can find it. Shouts out to Hashem for spiritual and physical healing. Amen. Rambon, he says, Devarim 30.11, this commandment. You ever wondered what this commandment is? I've read Devarim 30 and also the letter to the Romans, chapter 10. I've always wondered, why is it that it says this commandment is not in the heavens, nor in the depths, nor across the seas, but it's near you, it's in your heart, it's in your mouth to confess it. And then the letter to the Romans goes into saying, confess and believe that Mashiach is the Lord and you shall be saved. And then, you know, goes on from there. And it's just like, I'm missing something because if the letter to the Romans is saying what Devarium 30 is saying, but it's about salvation, but Devarium 30 is about Teshuva, but it's all a mitzvah. Like, what's happening here? Is the mitzvah salvation? Is salvation a mitzvah? Is Teshuvah salvation? Is Teshuvah a mitzvah? Well, let's see what Ramban has to say. The meaning thereof is that this refers to the entire Torah. Alright. Man. <laughs> wow. This commandment that is not in the heavens or in the depths or across the seas that's near us and it's in our mouth to perform it is the entire Torah. Are you kidding me right now? Because when you really put all these commentaries together, what we're saying is when you make Teshuva, you enter into salvation and enter into the entire Torah by confessing Hashem as your Lord. Now, a random thing I was listening to Shouts out to uh, a fellow Lapidnik of ours. She shared this Sukkot drosh with me. If you haven't heard it, I mean, I really don't know how to tell you. Let me just see. Um, go to my video history here real quick and pull this up. This is from Kehilat Melech Israel. It's called the Sukkah Mashiach. And um, let me see here. I'm gonna. Yep, that was the sound of the video starting. It is. What is this guy? It's not a guy, it's a, a rabbi. Rav Yehezkel of Kehilat Melech Yisrael in Toronto, Ontario. This guy. I'm just going to give you a warning that, you know, Captain Israel brings it. And, uh, you know, sometimes I feel like this guy's where Captain Israel, like, <laughs> he gets it from Captain Israel or something. Like, there's this crazy, like, you listen to him, you listen to them, you know, and it's just like, wow, surround sound, double fist punches to the face, and it's just like, why why are these people so violent anyway that's my introduction man 
like anyway he's talking about um this Rav Yehezkel he is talking about that when we come in to faith you know from being outside of Judaism completely that we embrace Mashiach Yeshua and the whole Torah comes along with him just like when a non-Jewish slave enters into the service of a Jew and enters into their household. They get converted and they have to be um, observant of Torah from that point. You know, and it's just kind of like you build up and then you ultimately get native citizenship and everything like that. Like you grow into... <clears throat> being a native Jew, basically. Even though you came from outside, you started off as a slave. And he breaks down all the passages about how we enter into service, like as Hashem slaves, like we're slaves to righteousness and all that kind of stuff. But the point being that embracing Mashiach Yeshua is embracing the entire Torah. If we're making Teshuvah and circumcising our heart, removing layers that impede in that block, that's embracing the entire Torah. So, Yeshua obviously is the manifestation of the Torah in the likeness of human flesh. So that's pretty cool. But Ramban says the correct interpretation is that when he refers to the entire Torah, as he says, as above every commandment which I command you this day. That is in Devarim 8.1. And then it says, Rather, the expression used here, this commandment, refers to the commandment of Teshuva. Now again, uh, Rabbi Griffin has a drosh from 2015. If you hadn't heard that drosh, go listen to it. Lots of, that's the drosh I camped out on this week. Rabbi Griffin, man, come on. Bloody nose, um, you know, sprained ankle. Man, he he messed me up with that one. But it's all good, though. It's all good. Because he was basically going into, like, what good is it if he keeps doing all these droshes and his life isn't changed? He's not living for his shim. And I'm thinking about all this illumination, all this studying, all of this spiritual excitement that is going on but what's my life like and it's just like had to get personal and it's just like well that's the thing because the entire torah the entire commandment that we're called to make teshua to mashiach yeshua the circumcision of our heart that affects our life it should affect our life so there we go but anyway, he goes into the commentary on this verse as well. Captain Yisrael, Rabbi Griffin. He says that um, there's commentary like Rashi that says, oh, yeah, this is talking about the the Torah. And then he brings up Ramban, actually, and talks and Bakya of all people. He was quoting Bakya way back then, and I didn't even know it. But anyway, uh, <laughs> Rabbeinu Bakya, wow, just sounds like a Muay Thai fighter. Like, watch out for your shins because they're about to get broke. 
But uh, anyway, he was pulling out these sources as well that says, you know, is it the Torah, is it Teshuvah? And um, obviously Rabbi Griffin was like, it's probably both, you know. And as we're talking about this, I mean, yeah, for real. And I mean, when we get into the letter to the Romans, I mean, it's going to make even more craziness happen. But it says that um, the commandment of Teshuva, aforementioned for the verses, and you shall bethink yourself, which is Devarim 30, verse 1. And then it says, you shall return unto the eternal, your God. And then that's verse 2. It says, they constitute a commandment wherein he commands us to do so. Hashem commands us to make Teshuva. And then it says it is stated further or in a further tense rather than or in a future tense. Wow. It is stated in a future tense to suggest in the form of a pledge. It's destined that Israel will repent. And this is where all Israel will be saved comes from because they're all going to make Teshuvah. How in the world is that going to happen? Well, ask yourself how the brothers of Yosef went all the way down to Mitzrayim and all of them made Teshuvah, and the whole family was reunited in Mitzrayim. Just think about that for a second, because that's the picture that we're dealing with right now. For those of us who are followers of Mashiach Yeshua, who are Torah observant, we're like Ephraim and Menashe with Yosef in Mitzrayim. We're currently in exile. We know who Mashiach is, and we're his kids, and we're seeing the brothers and we're having interactions. It's kind of strained, but that's cool because we're family. And then all of a sudden, because of what Yosef does, the whole family is all brought in. And the brothers are like, Ephraim and Menashe, what? They're like us now. Wow. Berkashim. I mean, that's incredible. That's family reunion at its finest. And I personally can't wait um, to have Lapid. Mix in with Breslev, mix in with Chabad, and, and all that. When we all just, Kolechad, just literally blow it up. You know, like, that truly will be the Olam Haba. It may be sooner in our days. Imagine all the gleaning we can get from each other, you know? Like, all of the insights that we have as Lapid, and all of the ancient sources that are only in Hebrew. <laughs> that some of these other sects have you know and then putting all of our midot together man forget it anyway um so yeah returning to hashem the last little part of this ramban commentary says by their mouth and return okay so let me go back confess their iniquity and the iniquity of their fathers by the word of their mouth and return in their heart to Hashem and accept the Torah upon themselves this day to perform it throughout the generations. As he mentioned, you and your children and all your heart, as I have explained. Okay. So if it's in your mouth, you're confessing that iniquity. Really, confessing that iniquity. All right. Let it rip. The letter to the Romans, chapter 10. Uh, just in case I don't get to get to this, I'm going to go ahead and swerve to this. I was looking at, um, verse four. 
It says, for the goal at which the Torah aims is the Messiah who offers righteousness to everyone who trusts. Some translations say, for the end of the Torah is righteousness. You know what? I'm going to pull up some other translations. I'm about to do this right now. Because this is a verse that we tried to get tripped up with, or we didn't try. Some, some people were trying to trip us up with, you know, me and my household. And the at the very beginning of our conversion, and it's just like, what what are you what are you saying right now? Basically, I want you to read this verse and let you know this is why you shouldn't do Torah. This is why you should not try to follow the law, because the law is done. It's like, ooh, the law is done, huh? Just gonna run the gauntlet. Here's the NIV. Mashiach is the culmination of the law, so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. Okay, so if you're a Mashiach, you should be in the law and completion. So I can read that now. Then it says in the New Living Translation, for Mashiach has already accomplished the purpose for which the law was given. As a result, all who believe in him are made right with God. Okay, I can see how that can be. Interesting. Um, gonna use the example that my Kala always likes to point out. Says, so I'm following someone on the road. It's like, okay, this person in front of me has accomplished the speed limit. They have fulfilled the speed limit. So since they've done that, I no longer need to fulfill the speed limit. And now I'm going to speed. So obviously, uh, I'm going to go ahead and drop the mic on that because the logical conclusion, if you're following someone who's going the speed limit and you're not going the speed limit, you're no longer following them. You're speeding past them and you don't even know where they're going anymore because if you're following them, they're so far behind you. It doesn't make any sense and you're probably getting pulled over. You're probably uh, getting your Miranda rights read and getting in handcuffs and all sorts of stuff. Can't just be speeding around thinking that that's okay. You know, tickets or something is involved. Might not get arrested, but you will be paying some heavy fees. But anyway, so if Mashiach has already accomplished this, think about that. Then we follow him and we follow in the accomplishments that he has. And then he even says himself that we will do even greater things and it's just like, hmm, what's greater than accomplishing Torah? I'm glad you asked. That is observing the Torah by the Spirit, being beyond the letter of the law. All right. Here we go. Here's the English Standard Version. For Mashiach is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. There it is. The end of the law. That's Mashiach. Well, that would be a tripping block or tripping stone or stumbling block. There we go. Give my words right. If it wasn't for Ramban. We're to perform this throughout our generations. <clears throat> and accept upon, the, accept upon us the Torah. And um, this is where I was going. I have a little, a little note that I put together here from... The Mishneh Torah of all places, believe it or not. Check this out. This is from Yesode 
Uh, where is it at? Oh, don't act like you don't want to be. Here we go. Maybe. Uh, where? Do I... Oh, okay. Brukashim. Here it is. Yesode Torah. Mishneh Torah Ramban. Okay. Um, probably need to give you the chapter. That would be helpful. Yesode Torah 47.2. Good night. It is not the aim of the Torah to teach the people wisdom and knowledge, but to guide them in the path of righteousness. There you go. The end of the Torah or the end of the law or for Mashiach is the end of the law for righteousness because the aim of the Torah is righteousness. And that's why we need Mashiach, the living Torah, to get us there. All right. Uh, so now we can go back to the letter to the Romans and go from where it starts quoting Devarim. Starting in verse 6. Oh, let's go back to verse 5. Seriously. For Moshe writes about the righteousness grounded in the Torah. There's righteousness grounded in Torah. Maybe because it's the ways of Hashem, which are righteousness. It says that the person who does these things will attain life through them. That's uncalled for. But anyway, moreover, the righteousness grounded in trusting. Oh, that's the deal. The only way to receive the righteousness of the Torah is to have a Muna, which means to do it. To trust it, to believe in it. Like, make Teshuva, place your faith in Yeshua, do some Torah. Once you're doing that, you're going to access righteousness. Because it says the righteousness grounded in trusting. It says, do not say in your heart who will ascend to Hashemayim, that is to bring the Messiah down, or who will descend into Sheol, that is to bring the Messiah up from the dead. What then does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word about trust, which we proclaim, namely, that if you acknowledge publicly, oh, here we go, public, remember public, private, general, and individual, that if you acknowledge publicly with your mouth that Yeshua is Adonai, and trust in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be delivered. For with the heart one goes on trusting, and thus continues towards righteousness. While with the mouth one keeps on making public acknowledgement, and thus continues towards deliverance. For the passage quoted says that everyone who rests his trust on him will not be humiliated. Yeshayahu 28:16 Look I'm laying a look I'm laying in Zion a tested stone a costly cornerstone a firm foundation stone he who trusts will not rush here and there I will make justice the plumb line and righteousness the plumb bob hell will sweep away the refuge of lies Water will overflow the hiding place. Mm -hmm. All right, get you some.
So this is why at that point it says this means there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. Adonai is the same for everyone, rich towards everyone who calls on him. And everyone who calls on the name of Adonai will be delivered. Yoel 3.5 or Yoel 2.32 in some translations. Powerful stuff. You know, I always um, used to quote Romans 10.9. It's just like, yeah, you say this, you're going to be saved. You're going to get in there. And it's just like, yeah, you need to be doing that like every day because the covenant is Hayom. You enter into covenant every single day. You You cut a covenant with Hashem. And it's just like, wow, like daily renewal. And I believe myself and Dr. Sakal went over, of course we did. So he leads out with Devouring 29.9-11. You're all standing here today before God, your God, the leaders of your tribes, your elders, your officers, every man of Israel, your young children, your women, and your convert who is within your camp, both your woodcutters and your water drawers. So that you may enter the covenant of God, your God. Devarim 29, 9-11. So, it says, this is why the covenant required the united assembly of every member of the Jewish nation. As described here by the Torah. Men, women, and children, from the leaders and the elders to the converts, woodcutters, and water drawers. For God's interminable commitment to the Jewish nation even if logic should dictate otherwise is reciprocal to evoke this unconditional love from God we must correspondingly show our genuine devotion to each other despite our obvious logical differences after our heartfelt return to God over the month of Elul on Rosh Hashanah we capitalize on the loving environment that we've created We ask God to enter an unconditional covenant of love with us for the future, even if our feelings of attachment may not be as strong later in the year. So then I said, wow, renewal, Baruch Hashem. This is the Brit Hadashah. Daily renews his Brit, his covenant, through today, hearkening to Kol Yeshua, the voice of Yeshua. So yeah, it's a daily thing. Um, we got one more actually. I'm gonna drop this. This is from Kitaibo. Uh, this is from uh, obviously that was Lakute Siko that we, I mean not obviously, but him and I we go back and forth on Lakute Siko because that's what we do. The daily renewal. So if you look at Kitaibo when the children of Israel had to stand split between tribes. Some on Mount Eval, some on Mount Gerizim. It says, after describing the covenant renewal ceremony, entered in between the parts. You know, there were two sides to this thing, and you walk through this, walk through the middle. Now, the good thing about with Mashiach Yeshua, there's no curses because he redeemed us from the curse of the law. You can read about that in Galatians. So there's blessing and blessing. There's one mountain. So we're not walking through, we're walking to. But we walked through in order to walk to because we enter in through his broken body. We enter in through the broken sapphire tablets. So anyone who has the stone set of tablets, they've entered in through the broken set of tablets. Because the only way to get the stone ones 
is to get the broken ones. And the only way to get the renewed ones is to get the broken ones, the stone ones, and the renewed ones. Just a little logical progression there. And anyway, it says that after describing this covenant renewal ceremony, it says this day you have become a people bound by covenant to God. Devouring 27.9, our desire for novelty is an intrinsic component of our humanity. We love novelty. It's just like, oh man, this is so new. This is great. So, you know, Hashem knows that, right? So check this out. Moshe therefore told the Jewish people that they become God's people anew every single day. Again, Rabbi Griffin gave a beautiful drosh, a very violent drosh on this on the Shabbat of Kitabo. Again, it's Kitabo. I'm just, it is. It's like, wow. Renewing every single day. So if you think about with Modeani, we enter into covenant anew with Hashem, with the hand washing, with the morning Shema. It's a new covenant every single day. Man. And then it says the covenant between God and the Jewish people was made only once with the giving of the Torah at Mount Sinai. But God renews it with each one of us on a daily basis. We should therefore view the daily personal renewal of our relationship with God with as much interest and enthusiasm as if it were the first time, for indeed it is. And that's from Heat Vaaduyot 57.45. All right, Rabbeinu Bakya, because, you know, we try to be like our rabbi. Quoting some Tankuma Kitavo 1 says, This day, Hashem, your God, commands you. When Moshe said these words, this was during the 40th year. How could this be since 40 years have elapsed, since the Torah has been given, and nothing new had been added to the Torah since then? The wording this day teaches that Torah legislation is to be considered as beloved as if it had been given on the very on that very day at Mount Sinai. And get you some of that. It's a constant renewal. You know, and you think about how we eat, you think about how we drink. It's always renewed. You know, the manna fell down every day. The water gave forth or the well gave forth its water. And that was like entering into the covenant. And we exchange words, you know, renewal. I mean, so I just briefly uh, jotted down that if you look at this, what we just went over, teshuva is a mitzvah. It's a circumcision of the heart. It renews our relationship with Hashem. It is salvation. Yeshua is in our heart. It overflows from our mouth and affects our deeds and our actions. And then I went all the way back to Bar Mitzvah Drosh with my homeboy, homeboy, Avraham Ben Hadar. Get you some. And we um, went over this parasha when he was preparing for his Bar Mitzvah. 
and we we talked about Toza Oat and how uh, the life and the good and the blessings and the cursings and in that verse it alludes to uh, Mishle 4.23 which is all about watching over and guarding our heart with all diligence for out of it are the Toza Oat Chayim the issues or the wellsprings of life and then it was like yeah look at mark 7 20 through 23 and then it's just like oh that's the the famous parenthetical statement yeshua made all foods clean but it's like the conversation wasn't about food or was it but before we get there think about this that conversation is about what is true spiritual defilement? Because that was the accusation leveled against the Talmudim of Mashiach. However, whoever was hungry when they read this passage, they added in the statement that by this Yeshua made all foods clean. Well, if you want to go that route, check this out. Mishle 10.11 The mouth of the Zadik is a makor chayim, is a wellspring of life. But, chamas, but violence covers the mouth of the wicked. So, it's not what goes in, but what comes out. So, if what's coming out of you is giving yourself the authority to ingest impure food, or if what's coming out of you is to say, yeah, I know the Torah says this, but that's cool. I don't have to do that. Check out Devarim 29 real quick. And then get back to us on that. But then, is your mouth a wellspring of life or is your mouth violence and wicked? Because if you say all foods are clean, you're insinuating that when Hashem gave us kashrut, he didn't know what he was doing. And then we got Mishle 21.23 that says, He who is Shomer over his mouth and his Lashon is Shomer over his Nefesh from troubles. Now, let me see here. One of these little insights was talking about food. And we're going to get there. Mark 7 is an incredible passage. Like, don't sleep on that. Alright, so 21, 23. Yeah. Okay, so it says that one who guards his mouth and his tongue guards his soul from troubles. Many of the Torah's prohibitions deal with controlling one's words. This verse provides the motivation to do so. The Vilna Gaon writes in his letter to his family that for every moment a person refrains from wrongful speech, he will be rewarded with pleasure of the heavenly light that Hashem stored away, the greatness of which no creature, angel, or human can fathom. Particular Mishle passage. I think it's 21. 
No, 21-23. We did that one. Let's see. I think we had some more here. Yep, here we go. This from Rabbi Yona. Some commentators apply this verse to what a person eats. <laughs> One who guards his mouth and his tongue guards his soul from guards his soul from troubles. So how do you compare this to what you eat? Rabbi Yona explains a spiritual person should eat only what is necessary for his health. Okay. Rambam writes that someone who guards his mouth eats only healthy foods, the proper amount. And someone who guards his tongue does not speak unnecessarily. Hilkot Deot 4.15 Excess food or speech damages not only the body but also the soul, since it leads to the breakdown of barriers, and that in turn increases the perceived attractiveness of prohibited activities. All chic. So, parenthetical statement. I see what you tried to do. You were really close. But if you think about it, Yeshua's saying it's not what goes in but what comes out. So if we're not paying attention to our words, it's no different than us overeating, than us bringing on all of these damages and breaking down barriers that increases perceived attractiveness of something prohibited. So in other words, you would eat unkosher if you didn't guard your tongue. If you spoke as was spoken in Mark chapter 7, saying, Eating with unwashed hands makes one defiled. Okay, that's very, very evil speech. And it's just like spiritual defilement comes from what flows out of our hearts, you know. And so may we guard our mouths. I mean, that's kind of, uh, it's kind of crazy when you think about it. But yeah, this could pertain to food. But whatever kind of food you're going to choose to basically... What it boils down to is if you want to go the food route on that, if you're okay with putting unkosher food in you, then you're certainly not concerned with what comes out of your mouth. That's pretty much what the commentary says here. So we're going to run away from that, and we're done. And the last thing I want to share is all about the Zodic, because we're going into Rosh Hashanah, and we would be remiss if we didn't spend some time talking about Yeshua HaMashiach, the true Zodiac, the one in whose merit we live, move, and have our very existence and being. And I want to shout out to Dr. Sakal because while I was recovering this week with my little sickness, um, it didn't feel like a little sickness, but Thank Hashem that it was less than three days. So Baruch Hashem, back up and going. But he was just like pumping out all the drops, all the insights, talking about the Zodiac. And then I listened to Rabbi Griffin's drosh on the, the days of awe. And he's dropping stuff about the Zodiac. So what, what's happening? 
You know, we're going into Rosh Hashanah. We don't want to stand by ourselves. We don't want to stand naked before Hashem. We want to be clothed in the clothing of Messiah. And so with that being said, all these crazy customs, different sects of Judaism have to go to the grave of their Zadik to pray that the Zadik would intercede for them. And it's just like, what? Go to their graves and pray at the graves? Pray to Hashem, but in the name and in the merit of the Zadik, that they would intercede and that Hashem would hear your prayers. Now, obviously, that sounds a little too close to other stuff, but Yeshua says that you will pray in my name. Let's read that passage real quick. All right, we got Luke. Um, let's see. Hold up, we got a lot of cross-referencing going on here. Stand by. There we go. Yochanan 16, 23-24. In that day you will ask nothing of me. Truly I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, i.e. in my merit, he will give it to you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. There you go. So, in the merit of our Zodic, Mashiach Yeshua, who is the true Zodic. So, Dr. Sakal, here we go. So, he drops Yochanan 15, 1 through 6. Okay, I'm the true vine. My father's a gardener. Abide in me, I'll abide in you. You know, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Okay. So, Lakute Maharon 170, chapter 1, section 70. It says, The true Zodiac is the foundation of the world. Everything depends on him. The true Zodiac is unique in the world. Even all the Zodiacim are only branches from him. All right. I see what you did there, Doc. All right. Get you some. Then it says, True faith. And the unity of God comes through the Zadikim. They are the tip of the letter Dalit of the word Echad, which means one. Okay, so the Zadikim are the tip of the Dalit. And remember, Mashiach is the Dalit. So why is that important? Because, this is from Benny B. says the word Echad expresses God's unity. Echad, Aleph. Chet Dalit. So he says, if you substitute a resh for the Dalit in the word Echad, you have Acher, which is another. Echad is spelled Aleph Chet Dalit. Acher is spelled Aleph Chet Resh. Now, if you knock the tip off the Dalit and then curve the Dalit, it looks more like a resh than a Dalit. So if you take away the Zadikim from Mashiach Yeshua and then you're trying to include this worship, you know, of an entity that's supposed to connect you to Hashem. Well, now you have other as opposed to one. Okay, so in other words, take away the Zadikim and then cause what is exalted as the connecting point to Hashem which would be the true Zodic but if you change that Zodic into something else that's not 
um, that's not unified with the Zadokim, like, you know, Yosef, Moshe, David, etc., etc., if you disconnect all that and change it all up, then you have another, which is Acher. And if you say that Hashem is another, you're insinuating that there's two Hashems. And that's Lo Beseder. So anyway, um, take that and go right into this. Separating one's self from Azadic is like committing idolatry. The only difference between the letters Dalit and Raish is a small protrusion. Again, that's that little tip with the Dalit there. So that that distinguishing point between a Dalit and a Raish is the Zadikim. Get you some. Then it says it is written in the Holy Zohar. This protrusion is the Zadik. So the Zadokim and the Zadok are both the protrusion, the little tip that distinguishes the Dalit from the Rash. So if you take a Rasha and you make it a righteous one, a Zadok, and you add the Zadokim and the Zadok to it. So if you make Teshuv, if you turn from your wickedness, which is why the Rash faces away from the Kuf, if the Rash would make shuv it would face the kuf it would become holy and then the zadikim and the zadik would be attached to it that's the kingdom and that's achad but again separating yourself from the zadik though it's like committing idolatry that's just wow okay so then here's where i want to end okay so we'll index it here so think about this so the mikvah of Mashiach Yeshua from Yochanan ben Zechariah. This is not only a transfer of the priesthood, but it's also Yeshua undergoing the mikvah of Teshuvah. Okay, just leave it at that for the introduction. Alright, so this is Matthew 3. 13 through 15 Yeshua comes down he wants to get immersed and Yochanan's like no you can't do that I need to get immersed by you Yeshua's like ah we got to do this to fulfill our righteousness and he's like you had to pull the righteousness card it's like yes I did and he's like okay spiritual well here we go so now Benny B picks up with this Yochanan the immerser is confused because he's offering the immersion of Teshuvah what does Mashiach need to repent for? He is sinless. That's the confusion. The confusion is not, oh, I need to make for you because obviously I need to transfer the priesthood. But the confusion is, why else did you need to make a mikvah of teshuva? Like, why do you need to do it? Well, let's look at Yoma 86b. Rabbi Meir used to say, Great is Teshuvah because for the sake of a single person who repents, the entire world is forgiven. Now, Benny B goes on to Rabbi Zadok HaKohen of Lublin. This happens because the penitent awakens the thoughts of Teshuvah in the hearts of others. But not everyone has the capacity to be this one person whose Teshuvah can occasion forgiveness for the entire world. 
such a person has not yet existed for that unique person will only be the messiah ben david in order to perform this task his soul must comprise all other souls jumping down to the next source pre-zotic okay the fruit of the zotic it says messiah will be the one on account of his teshuva the whole world will be forgiven so who fits the bill for Yoma 86b? That's Mashiach. And did he not save the entire world? And does he not lead us into Shuva? Amen. And it says, uh, this is from Lakute et Zot. It says, the true Zadokim atone for sins, as it is written, but the wise man will bring atonement. Proverbs 16, 14. You know, I got to do it. 16, 14, what we got? It says, um, the, let me read the verse. The king's wrath is like angels of death, but a wise man will appease it. A person fears the wrath of a mortal king. Surely he should fear the wrath of the ultimate king. That's Rabbi Yonah. A king's anger can arouse the angel of death against himself because his tyrannical practices can incite his subjects to contemplate assassination. Shlomo advises him to calm his wrath and persuade his subjects that they can rely on his love. Akidah Sha'ar 63 Shavet Me Yehuda comments, that the king's wrath may be lethal to him, for an angry temperament shortens one's life. The sages apply this verse to Moshe, who spoke on behalf of the Jews after the sin of the golden calf. See Shemot Rabbah 43.2. And to Pincus, whose zeal acted, or whose, zeal, whose zealous act calmed Hashem's wrath and ended a plague. Bami Bar Rabbah 20, verse 25. So, true Zadakim atone for sins. The wise man will bring atonement. Check that Ivrit. And then it says, Sifte Zedek, Vedover, Yesharim, Ye Ehav, Ye Ehav. Sifte, which is like in the speech or in the words. Zedek of the Zadik, Dover, Yesharim. Yeah, I have. And the word and the upright word he shall love. Man, that's a whole different translation. <laughs> but that's uh oh Sleekai, that's the wow, that's the previous verse. He will love the one who speaks upright words. There we go. Wow. Sifte Zedek Vedover Yesharim Yehav. That is um, righteous lips, and he will love the one who speaks upright words. And then Veish Chachem Ye Kaprena. So, and a wise man, he shall make atonement. Okay, that's actually verse 14. All right. Yeshua the Zodic says, whoever hates me hates my father also. Yochanan 15, 23. 
And it says in Sifre Beha Aloteca, whoever hates the Zadikim is like one who hates the master of the universe. And I guess we'll leave it at this. Beshalak 31 states, if one believes in the shepherd of Israel, like, I don't know, believing in Moshe or Mashiach or something, it is as if one believes in he who spoke and the world came into being. Okay, and Yochanan 12:44. Whoever believes in me believes not in me, but he who sent me. So, as we enter into Rosh Hashanah, overlooking offenses, being caught up in the Zodic, cutting the covenant new every single day, staying on our faces, being observant in Torah, running away from being disobedient, being a bunch of Raish people that turn into Dalit people, surrounded and attached to the Zadikim, and we ourselves walking in ways of righteousness and thanking Hashem for His covering and His atonement. So may it be so that we make the most of the rest of this year of 5778. It's been a wonderful 79 and now 80 episodes of Droshes with everybody. So um, I just want to pray that you're inscribed and sealed for a good year. May judgment be sweetened for us all. And may we soon merit to see the return of Mashiach Yeshua speedily soon in our days. And most of all, I pray that each of you truly become new um, as in our essence. May we all be, have a new essence and enter into Rosh Hashanah humble, contrite, excited, <laughs> joyful, and even kill in our character. May we be the true balance of fire and water, just like the sapphire tablets. Just like Mashiach Yeshua who mikvahs us with fire and who mikvahs us with the spirit. Well, what do we know? What do we know? Baruch atah Adonai, Eloheinu melech haolam, asher natan lanu Torah temet, vechaye olam natabetokainu, Baruch atah Adonai, noten ha-Torah, Amen. Lashana Toba, may you be inscribed and sealed for a good year. Shalom.